It's green for go. They're racing. He says go. He says Tara. And Tiger Tara roars away from them on the home turn. Here comes another big boil over. Equine athleticism at its best. The king is in the castle once more. This is in one race. The rest are almost in another post. She is a star with a capital S. It's going to be a triple treat. A miracle three-peat. Ladies and gentlemen, you have witnessed history here at Menangle. What about that? It's getting right up on the sprint lane and it's going to bolt in. Hello, welcome to the Sprint Lane. It's a beautiful Monday. We've obviously had our awards on the weekend. We've been talking about the Miracle Mile. But gee, Amanda, I've got Amanda Rando with me. None of it would happen if we didn't have the breeding industry, the yearling sales, all those different things. So what we thought we'd do is over this week in the lead up to the yearling sales, which is such a big event here in New South Wales at Miracle Mile time, is we'd, we'd get together a whole series of our breeders and let's hear their story and let's talk about the amazing stock that they've got up for grabs this weekend. Yeah, exactly. It's, uh, you know, we've got the nutrient sales at in Sydney this Sunday and it's uh, part of a huge uh, weekend for harness racing here in Sydney. Obviously, as you said, we've got that Million Dollar Miracle Mile on Saturday night and it's just such a highlight on... <laughs> on the Australian harness racing calendar, to be honest. So, you know, a lot of people from interstate will be travelling to Sydney for the weekend. They'll do the double header, they'll do the Miracle Mile meeting and then head to the sales on Sunday and hope to find their next champion. Well, a huge sale means a huge operation to pull it all together. So what we thought we'd do is we get one of them in at the, the, I guess, at the helm of the the sales from Nutrien, Mark Barton. Welcome to the show, Mark. Yeah, g'day, Paul. Amanda, thanks for having me. Mate. We just talked about how big a job is. I can't imagine what it must be like for you. Uh, it must be somewhat daunting in a way to try and piece this behemoth together. It's It's been a big learning curve for us. I guess it's a, you know, we, we're drawing on, I guess, experience from the performance horse industry where we started. And we, we finished um, 650 horses the first weekend of Feb um, in Tamworth, which we had records there, $17 million in sales. So we roll into this now. But, um, yeah, the last probably eight weeks we've been, on the road, I think I've got around about 650 of the 780-odd horses we've got catalogued. So it's a lot of horses to see, but it's it's, it's a big job, but it's actually really exciting. Particularly, um, Sydney's a bit of fun too because it's a start. We're actually going to try and put on a, a vendor um, barbecue and a um, bit, of, bit of live music on, at lunchtime on the Saturday before the Miracle Mile and really, I suppose, just launch um, the month of sales. Well, it's not just the start, it's one of the best two that you're going to put on, the other one being Bathurst, because they're both here in New South Wales, so we're a little bit jingoistic in these parts. Oh, look, the Bathurst, it's, it's a great program, and it's, it's also a nostalgic race. I think, um, you know, we're, as, as relatively new owners of horses, um, you know, I've got a, a filly that she had a first start at Newcastle last Friday with the aim that we hope she'll have, she'll be a two-year-old that uh, Robbie Morris trains for us, and she's headed for Bathurst, so we've got the interest on the race night as well as the sale on the Sunday. Oh, how good. And there's nothing better, Amanda. You know, if you if you got a... You've got a, a horse that can go around, we, you know, as we know, if you, you're an owner and you can have a horse in a race, there's nothing better. No, exactly. Especially, you know, if you breed them or if you go to the yearling sales, buy them as a yearling, then you've got at least one year till they race again. So it's a really exciting time to see, you know, what the, the horse that you bought or you bred, what they can do on track. Mark, 235 horses up for grabs at the, at the, um, the Sydney sales. That's a, that's a lot of horse. Yeah, it's, it's a big catalogue to start. It's, it's a terrific catalogue of horses. Eh? You've got a good sprinkling of uh, trotting um, uh, trotters in there as well. And the trotting gate, is, it's growth 
you know, growth market. And I think you're seeing them really taking time away from the paces, like they're catching up. Um, so that's interesting, some really quality um, paces uh, as well. Like you've got this year, probably the, the really, really impressive thing is the amount of new season size. And we've seen two horses, Better's Delight Art Major, that have really dominated the Australian breeding um, industry for the last decade. Um, they're both in their 20s, so coming to the end of their time. And I think that's exciting to see which of these newcomers is going to take that, that mantle. We need, you know, we've got pace horses, like speed horses with the MAC3 lines. Um, there's Sun Beach somewhere as you're uh, down by the seasides. Um, you've got Poster Boy with that same line, but we've got yeah, a number of other yeah, dom domestic size or colonial size and um, other new season size, which is really exciting. That's great. I mean, the sale really uh, does offer the opportunity for due diligence as well as the, um, the parade to kick it off. Yeah, five o'clock on the Friday evening, uh, we'll, we'll parade. It's not a compulsory parade, but we find most vendors like to get their horses there. It gives them a look around and the amount of people actually pick a horse on tight rather than just pedigree. You see what ones you do like that horse, so you go and have a look at it. And I think, yeah, that that's exciting. And I, I think that's where people can make an informed decision. They can do that Friday. Uh, we've got all day Saturday and Sunday morning. We've got on-site bets. So if you want to have a horse bedded uh, or get an independent yeah, expert opinion on a horse, we can do that before we start selling Sunday. Uh, what should people be looking for? Like, like, let's say for me, I've never never owned a horse, and let's say I was in market, What what, and I was – you know, what advice would you give to someone like me who's never really been in the industry before? Because I'm sure that there would be a lot like me who might turn up and say, well, I'm, I'm really keen to dip my toe in the water here. Yep. I think one of the things is if you're going to be a, a full ownership yourself, um, I've, I come from a performance horse, you know, campcraft, stock horse background. So I'm comfortable with what I look for in those. But in our case, we went and found a trainer that we had recommended. Um, now, try not to plug one trainer, but, you know, we, we, we found someone that was recommended. Uh, we then looked at horses that we liked ourselves and then said, look, can you come and show us what you're looking for? So I think people that have been there and done it, uh, are you looking for an early runner? Um, most owners tend to be, but I actually want a horse that can probably last you know, time. I guess we want to have fun with that horse over an extended period. Um, the market probably chases colts. I think there's an opportunity to get quality fillies that are affordable. And the Philly money's good up until three. And I think, you know, racing generally, we're looking to find more races for them as they get older. But then you've got that great opportunity as a broodmare later on too. Yeah, and there's also the opportunity with the Nutrient Equine race series we've got now. Yeah, the race series, which, yeah, we've got a guarantee of 960000 in this year. And every chance that that'll be more than that. Um, you know, the, the horses that are uh, two this year and three from the previous year, they'll race, um, yeah, for 960000 and. Yeah, that's one hundred and seventy-five thousand dollar rate pacing filly and a pacing colt. Um, our three-year-old trotting fillies and colts chase one hundred and twenty-five thousand, which is yeah high end um, uh, racing. And yeah, we saw our first you know first uh, trotting winner was um, uh, at one at Menangle, and yeah, that horse went on to win I think four or five Group One. So yeah, the they're quality market. horse in the catalogue. Mm. What sort of like is there a record price that you guys have fetched, and yeah, you know, do you think it's under threat? At these, at these sales? I, I certainly hope so. If you said the New Zealand sales showed that that top end of the market was very strong. Um, we saw um, Captain Treacherous Philly make 300000 We saw a Treacherous Colt make two hundred and seventy. Um, our business, we're only in our third sales series, so we, we our, our record at this stage is only $170,000. Um, I would honestly think there's, you know, from what I've seen, there's three or four horses 
that certainly deserve to make north of 150. It just depends then who jumps on with them to make that horse you know, box on. I think you've got um, you know, a, a number of, well, some boots somewhere, uh, there's very, um, you know, uh, very few of those available in Australia. There's one of those in Sydney. Um, it, it's a nice horse system. Captain Treacherous, you know, speed horses, um, they're going well. The Sweet Lose, I think 52 individual winners last year and he's winning again this year. So I think you've got the quality horses as well as you've got um, exceptional mares there as well. Has the just talking about prices, Mark? I'm I'm intrigued. I mean, you know, um, cost of living's going up everywhere. You know, we 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 hear the the financial crisis everywhere around us. Um, you know, my groceries are a lot more expensive than they were. I'm paying a lot more for fuel. Everything in life seems to be getting a lot dearer. You know, electricity prices or whatever. How have we seen that reflected in the equine industry? And can you know, are we likely to see the impact of that through these sales? Look, it's funny, isn't it? In equine markets, we always tended to, to draw a parallel between the Australian beef cattle market and um, the performance horse industry. And then we saw this year where that market yeah, went from 27 to 32,000 average, uh, 90% clearance, when the cattle market had a 25 to 30% uh, reduction in value. So it was, it was off farm money buying those horses. And I think... In this market, you've got your professional training stables. You've also got your professional breeders. Um, it is a discretionary spend, but the sport does, you know, um, luckily have some some um, you know, high-value owners that, that, that are prepared to um, invest long-term in these horses. And I think, yeah, you've got some um, some big price pools coming up over the next 12 months for, for these horses to get to. And I think that's probably the challenge. I don't think it will be impacted as much economically as it will opportunity so if there's opportunity for them to win money at racing then there's great expectation that these horses will continue to rise in value uh, the one sale in australia on the gold coast last month was very strong new zealand was strong so i think i think we've got your prospects for a very strong market this year have you guys crunched some numbers around where it's going with the the cost to put a to put a horse up for sale and, and have a, a horse ready to to race yeah look I, I see, I see the, the, the standard bred breeder no different to a lot of our other customers, whether they're sheep breeders or cattle breeders, they're primary producers. So they produce a primary product that then gets given to someone to value add. So whether it's to grow out for prime lamb, grow out for a feedlot or live export, in this case, we're getting you know, genetically um, superior yearlings that are then prepped up and given to a trainer that's, you know, it's a raw product that they then turn into the athlete, the racehorse. Um, I think if you look at generally agriculture seen around a 20% increase in cost of production. So that's wages, steel, uh, fertiliser, chemical, um, seed, feed, stock feed, um, all of these things, even just service fees generally, there's there's an increase in all of those costs. Veterinary supplies, that's gone up. Um, so if you look at last year's averages for us at 37,000 uh, with Sydney and Melbourne, um, we probably need to see our vendors getting around 42, 43,000 as an average, to probably be level pegging with where they were two years ago. Right. Is that a cautionary tale to people before they uh, before they turn up at the sales, or you know, uh, some people are just going to they're still going to snap up a bargain, but people should be prepared to factor in what it costs to the seller um, in the process. Is is what you're saying? Yeah. Look, I guess there's always there's an us and them mentality that buyer wants to buy the best they possibly can and that's their right and a vendor's got the right to reserve or the right or an expectation to get what they believe the animal's worth um 
I think what you find is equilibrium where you find buyer and seller understand where the market is. Uh, for a buyer to spend money, they need to see, I believe, quality article, which we've got a great product and the Australian breeders should be very proud of what they produce. The way we turn them out is exceptional. Um, genetically, we've got you know, some superior mares in the country now. So I think we've got the product there that's raw. Um, the racing opportunities for these horses, you know, I think harness racing across this, the country there, we're always looking to explore new ways to get you know, opportunities for these horses to race. Um, but if you look at what we actually see race on a weekend, you know, your, your pinnacle racing, um, the, a, a big percentage of those horses in those free-for-all races this time of year in New South Wales have come from you know, yearling sales. And the, and the prep that goes into them, there's three parts started for the trainer. You, know, you put a set of hobbles on and you know, you've got a racehorse not just for one year. So in that investment, you, you look at, again, your feed costs, your training costs, your spelling costs. Whether it's another four or five thousand to buy the right horse, or, or, or continue to encourage breeders to breed those quality yearlings that we've got, um, I don't think that's the difference between a margin as a um, as an owner. I mean, we, Amanda, our prize money has certainly um, you know, risen considerably, and some of the metrics and the and the the bars being set at an all time high, particularly in in the metropolitan area. So the rewards are there. Yeah, they are. Even in in uh, regional areas, you know, we're seeing we're seeing races for just under ten thousand dollars, which is fantastic. So you know, breeders, owners, they're they're right across uh, New South Wales and Australia for that matter. But um, yeah, the prize money we've got on offer right now is is the strongest it's ever been. And then you've got to think, we've also got the world's richest harness race right in our backyard with the Tabureka for Australian bred horses. Look, and I think that also is shown this year when you've seen a number of quality horses that are stu- that have stood last breeding season in New South Wales. You know, you, you look at the likes of Cobbety Farm, like that's an increase of horses available there. Um, we, we've seen the changing of the guard at Yerubi, but... New South Wales has got some terrific incentives for people to breed horses that buyers in New South Wales can, um, yeah, can, can yeah, chase not just um, yeah, your New South Wales but your, your Challenge Blue for those, those um, you know, entirely New South Wales bred horses and I think there's some great opportunity there. Well, you won't see him in these sales but Luke McCarthy, when he was picking up awards at the Industry Awards yesterday, uh, let us know that King of Swing is booked up within four days. A full yeah. year, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, I, maybe when you said earlier we're looking for the, the next um, superstar sire, uh, that's going to be an intriguing development as, as wow. King of Swing's progeny start um, start becoming available. It, it's, it's one, you, you've got to be so careful not to just pick on one horse, but I think you look at him, he was, he was a, a high-class you know, animal. You look at the international genetics that he carries. Um, you look at the likes of Soho Tribeca, again, a fantastic domestic horse. You also look at um, uh, Poster Boy, you know, the Lauriston bred horse. You know, so they're three sides that have got, yeah, terrific books. They've had quality mares. So I think that's it. We've got Art Major and um, Better's Delight that are in their twilight. So I'm sure one of those, you know, quality horses are going to come through and leave something, leave their stamp, not just as a, as a superior racehorse, but as a superior side. And I, I think that's an exciting chapter for, um, for harness racing in Australia. I think what's super exciting is we've got a, a heap of lot numbers, unnamed horses that we're going to be, we're talking about King of Swing and what a freak he was on the track. There's probably a King of Swing caliber horse as a, as represented as a number in this book. Yeah. So <laughs> who buys him, he or her? And um, 
yeah, it turns them into the superstar that, you know, the, that their potential can take them to be. Yeah, exactly. There's, you know, you've got like horses like King of Swing or even just, you know, just top free-for-all horses all amongst this catalogue here. And, and that's the excitement around these yearling sales. You know, you go to the sales and uh, the sale ring, it's all in pristine condition. It makes you actually want to just spend money. You see these young horses and you just think, is this, is this the next champion? Is this the next king of swing? Is, is this that the my next reason? <laughs> you know, but that's, that's not what you, you know, we're not. No, but is that my mortgage covered on yeah, what these horses well, can, yeah. can win me? Well, that's the dream, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, so. absolutely. It's it's interesting. Like you look at, at a horse, talk about those ones. But Lock and Barra, he he was offered offered at Bathurst and passed in at a very modest fee, then sold and ready to run. And now he's an international superstar. He's over racing in the US. Yeah. And again, he was a, he was a horse you could have bought well under twenty five grand at the time. Um, I, I think with that, like you, you've seen recently, uh, Lady Athena has been named the Australian Broodmare of the Year. And you look at uh, the catalogue, our lot 98 from Brooklyn Lodge is the um, the three-quarter to Max Delight and Major Delight. So you've got, you know, a, a betting line son um, rather than the better's delight. But, you know, that, that's an exceptionally well-bred. And I've seen the horse of Brooklyn. He's an outstanding type. And, like, there's examples of that right through the Sydney catalogue where you've got full siblings, uh, half-siblings and even three-quarter bred. So uh, what I've also found, which is really exciting for Sydney, Probably one of the strongest drafts of fillies we've seen in our three years in this, and and I'm like I say I'm a real fan of the fillies because I think there's a lot of the um the, the value horses yeah some of the, the the big the big guys they want to win a miracle mile or they want to win some of these big free for all races which are dominated by the males. I think that the person out there that's got maybe a little bit more modest budget or even longer term interested in breeding a horse, um, I don't think we want to lose sight. You've got your big studs that are our backbone of our breeding base. But then you've got that four, five, six horse um, you know, enthusiasts or family-owned operators that have still got free-for-all quality mares that are breeding elite, you know, uh, open-class horses as well. And you know, the likes of the uh, the Johnson boys here in Wagga at Worthy Park, um, Matarenka, um, Dennis um, Howell, I think got some fantastic mares, but not the big numbers, like 8 to 10, 12 mares. And they're the real backbone of this, you know, not just the New South Wales, but the Australian breeding industry. Yeah, super exciting. Um, so... As we said, 235 horses up for grabs at these sales just here in Sydney, and obviously there's the Bathurst sales as well, and I know you've got other places around Australia that, that you'll be conducting these sales. Um, we take a step back. When do you start organising something like, say, like our sales? When does when does that process start and what's involved? Because it just seems like a mega, mega process. It, it, it's, it's a big program because you, you really – we go out for the market in August again – yeah, you know, asking people to nominate the 2024 catalogue. Um, they're big weanlings at that stage. They're, you know, they're, they're, they're not even term one year of age. So most of them are going to be a November file or November, December files, a lot of them. So in August, you know, when they're only nine, ten months of age, you're picking your draft for is it a Sydney horse on its page or on its type? Is it going to be well enough grown for the early sales? Um, I know we'll see some of the New South Wales eligible and bred horses might be a December or January file. They might keep those back for one of our later sales, um, which is a good balance, I think, where it gives people options. But that starts in, in August. We then come back with proofs by yeah, early October. Uh, we then get the catalogue locked in stone to go to print in November so that we've got a catalogue out before Christmas. So it's, it's the wheels turning the whole time. Uh, we finish our last sale first week in, um, in April uh, in Victoria. Then 
we look at an online, uh, you know, broodmare, ready to run, you know, mix uh, online in June. And this sort of July is probably a take your breath and we're back into it and starting the, the yeah, I guess reviews of what we did well, what we can do better. And also, you know, trying to find, you know, what are the sizes that are going to get used next year? Not that we want to influence the breeder, but it's just exciting when you start getting into the new breeding season, September, October. What are people joining to? What are the books like? You say, like, yeah, that, that Luke's told you they've already filled their book for that that horse. So if I've missed him, what's the next horse I go to? And yeah. I think that's exciting. Yeah. What do you love about it, mate? What's your... What is it about the whole process that you you just love that makes you want to get out of bed in the morning and get to work? Look, we, I'm a camp draft person is where my background is, so I, I still love that that competition. Um, I've grown up with horses and I've got to, I guess, in my 50s now, understand what I'm looking for in, a, in an Australian stock horse or a camp draft horse. But the best thing about this is learning about what are the mare families, what are the crosses at work. Like, I'm four decades behind all these people breeding them to try and learn it. And for us, the best way to do it is probably to buy a share in one, then you know, buy a couple outright and start to own a few horses and understand what it's like. And I do love the, I love the fact we had a horse race the other night and she did well. Um, I've got another big uh, sweet Lou that goes around. He should try it again and race again, a three-year-old, but he's looking to go to Bathurst too. So two very different types. So getting to understand that as an owner, how it feels. So I think learning the genetics, understanding uh, form and function. Like a, a bloke teaching me about horses years ago made the comment, beautiful is what beautiful does. And they're different things, form and function for a camp draft horse versus a, you know, a, a harness racing horse. So you do see subtle differences in body shape. And I guess like a, uh, you, you want a different body shape to play you know, AFL as you do to play rugby league. So I think understanding what is that, 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 what are the features that make a horse successful. Yeah, good point. Hey, it's not sales related, but I wanted to um, pick you up on something. You talked about the camp drafting, and I know that we first touched base when we were talking about the camp drafts from a rehoming perspective. We've have some, yeah. had some real success in that space, haven't we, with rehoming standard breads? Yeah, we did. And look, it was um, what was actually really fun on the weekend. There was a, um, um, a horse called Mondo Sports that um, a, a good mate of mine was actually at Judge the Camp Draft we were at on the weekend um, near Cootamundra. And he actually put that horse through the rehoming uh, fellow called Wyatt Young. And the lady who won the ladies' draft is actually her family are from Beechworth, but her and a partner uh, contract muster in the territory. And she was on Avon Station, owned by Australian Agriculture Company. And she said, we did a, a group of uh, young jackaroos and jillaroos, like a pre a pre muster um, school there a couple of months ago, and she said this horse with the brand come in. It was Monday Sports. So there's a couple of them up there on Avon Station that are they're out contract mustering, and there's a number of them that actually we did camp draft and were placing up in drafts. So yeah, they I think that the the guys and girls that did that did a great job showcasing it, and I think what we found choppers over the top of mustering. I think. They're, they're robust. They can handle 20, 30 k's of work a day. Um, there's a lot of young, you know, ringers, that, the, the girls and boys that come from the city that have probably never had much exposure to horses, and they're a safe way of keeping those people in work, and these stations rely on those sort of people. So the, the horse has a great part to play, and I think it'd be great to see them, those, especially those geldings off the track, have a life after racing, which is quite significant and, and important. Yeah, it's great, isn't it, Amanda? Like, that, that our... our legends of the track you know can um you know, have a have a second life you know through the rehoming process and, and and still have that competitive kind of nature about what they're going about 
about doing. Yeah, and not, not to be biased, but the standard breads are just such versatile animals, aren't they, Mark? Yeah, they're, they're predictable. They're, um, yeah, you, you, look, I had those ones that came through, like of the six or seven we had, three of them got dropped to home here. And, you know, I, as a, because we're just, I hoped it worked well. So we chucked a saddle on them all ourselves at home just to do a few pre flight checks. And you talked, and I didn't just hand pick anyone, we picked some of the best trainers or camp draft riders in the country. And they were, yeah, quite blown away. Once they get their gates, like they've been trained not to break, and then you ask them, no, if I put my leg back, I actually want you to strike your cantaloupe. And that horse, mind you, the way some of the training methods are these days where they are allowed to gallop on track for, you know, training, I think they'll soon pick it up. And once they understand that they're an intelligent animal, if you give a consistent message and they give you the right response and get rewarded, they don't take long to come round, but their their reaction's not a flight animal. They're actually quite a, a companion style animal. That most of them are really, yeah, they've got a great trainable mind. Yeah. yeah, just brilliant, just brilliant initiative. Love it. All right, Mark, housekeeping. So Friday the third, uh, five o'clock is the sale parade. So that then rolls into the inspection day on Saturday, and then the sale is on Sunday. Uh, that kicks off at eleven a.m. So that's it. Is there anything? people need to do before any of that happens if they want to be part of this yeah look like any company we, we need to just establish a line of credit for everyone that's buying um a lot of people after three years now have dealt with us so we've got a, we've got established accounts um it's probably the one mundane thing once once you've set up an account and you know with respect there's a number of people that probably haven't dealt with nutrient prior to this so we've had uh which is probably a, a good cider for the weekend we've had a it's, but the girls have been bogged down with the applications for credit and just trading terms so we can set them up and people can we want people to spend their weekend looking at horses not lined up in a queue going through you know becoming established as, as a customer of nutrients so that's that's probably the most important thing uh we use auctions plus as our uh, online support so it's a separate platform so you need to have yourself a login and a um uh, an account with auctions plus if you want to bid remotely um the other thing is some people I spoke to a, a client this afternoon who said, look, I'm not technical. I can just use the mobile phone. That's it. I want to bid with someone. He's actually going to duck out to the tra- out to, uh, uh, to um, Riverside Stables at, at Warwick Farm on Thursday or Friday, um, check in with the girls, and then he's going to have someone on the phone because he can't be there Sunday. So he can bid remotely by phone. So we can accommodate anyone they want to buy, um, and particularly your interstaters or your um, offshore guys. New Zealand's showing interest in some of the horses, so... That's probably the main thing. Talk to any one other team and we'll make sure we find a way to be able to help you find your horse. I'm sure that's the thing. You guys will be there to help. Well, you said it. Sydney English Riverside Stables at Warwick Farm is the place to be. I'll say it again. Five o'clock on Friday is the sale parade. You can uh, uh, be part of the inspection day on Saturday. And, of course, the sale commences at 11 a.m. on Sunday. Mark, I wish you the very best of luck. I hope that the reward for all your efforts uh, is there for everyone to see because uh, I know the amount of work that you guys have put in. I uh, hope it goes well. No, thanks, mate. I appreciate your interest. And look, I just say on behalf of the vendors, the, the bar they've lifted, uh, it's a team, you know, what we do as well as what all of the breeders do and the preparers, um, showcase the sport, showcase you know, the, the Australian product, which is one we should be very, very proud of. And we kick it off at Sydney um, this weekend, so really can't wait. All right. Best of luck with it. And uh, we will be keeping an eye on it, won't we, Amanda? Yes, we sure will. We sure will. Um, Amanda, what we're going to do is over the, the the next few days, we're actually going to talk to some of the, the breeders. So 
Uh, Mark did mention a couple of them. He mentioned Brooklyn Lodge. That's one that we'll be catching up with. We're going to catch up with Jackie Gibson from Success Stud. Uh, ben Setri. Uh, we're going to have a chat to Matt Day. He's got a great story to tell around you know some of the the way he has rebuilt his life after some hardship and that. So, um, so this is what we want to do. We want to let people know who are the people that they're buying from. What's their story? What's the love and energy and and time and everything that they've put into getting this horse ready so that when you buy it, you know that that horse is coming from a great place and has been just developed with love you know <laughs> love and time really that's what we're talking about isn't yeah. it and also give uh, some insight into to what goes into preparing a horse for such a sale it's yeah. not you just put a horse in the sale ring and, and do your best there's so much hard work that goes into it so it, yeah it's nice to shed some light on that yeah absolutely so can't wait to bring you those stories um this has been a well the start of a special series on on the sprint lane podcast uh as i said we'll be bringing those to you every day this week can't wait for you to hear them. Uh, Until then, we'll catch you next time on the Sprint Lane. Bye-bye.